Well, happy Easter Sunday. How you doing, Soul City Church? Doing good. It is so good to see you. My name is Jarrett Stevens. I'm one of the lead pastors here at Soul City. And for all of you who are packed into this room, for those of you who are in our overflow space, thank you. Those of you watching online or listening to the podcast, I think it's, it's so significant that you took time out to get around this weekend. What does it really mean, this life that is available to us through Jesus, that you would carve out time to explore and to experience the resurrection of Jesus? I just think you, you couldn't have made a better choice than you already have uh, today. And again, I know it's been said a hundred times, we can say it a million more. It's so beautiful outside. We thank God for this weather. Listen to me. The reason we love spring so much in Chicago is because we earn it. We earn the right to have spring and to enjoy it. And I love, you know, the birds are chirping in the air and people are eating every meal outside. Even when it's 50 degrees, we're still going to eat. We're Chicagoans. That's how we do. All the potholes are in bloom. I mean, it really is. It's a wonderful time of year in our city. And I think for, for all of us, we love spring because we love that idea of things being made new. Like after a long winter, we're just reminded, oh yeah, there's life. Things can actually be made new. And I think our interest in it goes far beyond the city and out in nature. I think that's a, a human, a soul level desire that each of us has is to feel new, to feel new. We want to feel new. Think about all the things you do. It's amazing all the things you and I do to try and feel new. You ever think about that? All the clothes we buy, the cars, the house, everything in some attempt to try and feel new. And you know that for a while you can feel new, but then after a while that new feeling wears off and you have to find something else to make you feel new. You ever found yourself in that rut before? That's because I think what so often what we end up chasing, that deep soul level desire, what we end up chasing is that feeling of new rather than being made new. That's what Easter is really all about, is that you can actually be made new. All that other stuff is fine and good, but it's all from the outside trying to get in, isn't it? What we're going to talk about today, the heart of the Easter message, is how you can be made new from the inside out, that you can actually experience, not one day, someday in heaven, but right here on earth. Today, in fact, you can be made new. And it all has to do, the Easter message, everything I'm going to talk about over the next couple of minutes all has to do with this flower. Now, how many of you would consider yourselves a green thumb? How would you raise your hand if you like planting plants, taking care of plants? All right, I see seven of you. Good, good, all right. Clearly a city crowd, all right, good. Uh, okay, raise your hand if you are proud that you do not know how to keep a plant alive, like you kill plastic plants, right? Okay, got it, got it. I'll talk slower over this next part. Okay, so I want us to just think about the idea of a flower and what it has to do with the Easter message. Now, you know that there really are only a couple things that you need for a flower, a tree, a plant to grow. You really only need a couple key ingredients. The first is that you need soil. You got to have soil, right? Got to have soil, got to have light, got to have water. And most importantly, you have to have seeds, right? You can't miss that step. You can have the soil and the light and the water, but if you don't have a seed, it's not actually going to grow. And in fact, for any of you who know anything about those uh, seven of you who know anything about keeping plants alive, uh, there's a process that happens uh, when a seed goes into the ground and when it becomes a plant, a flower, a tree. Does anyone know what the process is called from going from a seed to a flower? Does anyone know? Look at you flower nerds. Awesome. 
germination. That's exactly right. See, you didn't know you're going to get a horticultural lesson at church today. Don't say we don't teach you anything, all right? Yeah, the process is called germination, where a seed becomes a plant, a tree, a flower. Now, here's the part about germination they didn't tell you in 10th grade. For a seed to become a flower, it actually has to do something that only it can do. You know what the seed actually has to do to become what it's actually meant to be? It has to die. And I think that's a really interesting thing that they don't, we just don't think about that much. The seed actually has to die. It has to give up being a seed so that it can become what it was meant to be. The, the point of the seed is the flower. It's not meant to actually stay a seed. That's why we celebrate spring and flowers, not just seeds. Think about it. How many husbands come home to their wife on their anniversary and just give them a bag of seeds? It's not a very loving gift. If you were to go over to someone's house and say, you got to come see my flowers, and they just have jars of seeds all over their house, that's weird. You should get out of that house quickly, right? <laughs> why? Because we, we know that this has to happen. A seed is not meant to stay a seed. It's actually meant to become a flower. And to do that, it has to die. And one of the most beautiful things about the process of germination is that it's actually a regenerative process, meaning that when the seed does what only it can do and dies and becomes a flower, that flower then gives birth to more seeds, and then those seeds give birth to more flowers. Isn't that beautiful, the way that God designed all that? But none of that happens if the seed stays a seed. Now, what does that have to do with an Easter message? I would say everything. So I want you to grab a Bible and I want you to turn to John chapter 12. There should be a Bible right under your seat or on your seat. If you're in overflow, we should have one for you there. If you brought your own, fantastic. But in the Soul City Bibles, you can actually turn to page 873. Page 873 in the Soul City Bible will actually get you to John chapter 12. Let me give you some quick context as to what we're coming at here this weekend. Uh, in John chapter 12, Jesus had just had the triumphal entry. We celebrated this last weekend here at Soul City at Palm Sunday, where it was the high point of his public ministry. People praising and celebrating him as a king according to their own terms. As John taught us last weekend, Jesus was here to set up a completely different kind of kingdom. But for his followers, his disciples, this is the best week of their life with Jesus. Crowds are with them, everyone's for them, and then they're just days before the cross. And Jesus teaches them this lesson. This is what he says in John chapter 12, verse 24. He says this, Very truly I tell you, and anytime you hear Jesus say that, it means pay attention. This is a true thing, a true principle you can bank your life on. Very truly I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and what? And dies. It remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. That's the regenerative process. If it does what it's supposed to do, it produces many seeds. Now, you have to imagine those first followers of Jesus, he teaches in a lot of metaphors and parables of stuff here on earth. And so they're writing it down. Oh, yeah, seeds. It's good. It's they have no idea what he's talking about. And so he goes on to explain it to him in the next verse. John 12, 25 says this. Anyone, in other words, anyone who loves their life will lose it. In other words, anyone who tries to hold on tightly to their life according to their terms will see real life slip right through their fingers. The harder and harder and harder you try to live life according to your terms, your will, your way, you'll miss out on what life is actually meant to be about. But Jesus goes on to say this, if anyone is willing, anyone who hates, now this is a strong word, we're going to unpack this, anyone who hates their life in this world 
will actually keep it. Or some translations say, will find it. They'll find it for eternal life. Now, that word hate there is really just an extreme word that Jesus is using, but you might translate it to deny or to reject, to abandon, to bury. That when you do that, you actually find real life here on earth and forever with God in heaven. Now, why is Jesus giving this message, this idea, right before he heads to the cross? Well, it's two things. He's teaching on two levels here. The first level is he's talking about himself. He's talking about his imminent death, which was just days away. And he'd been telling his followers about it the whole time they'd been with him, that he would give his life for us, for the sins of the world. And he told them very specifically, and they still missed it right up to the last moment. But what Jesus is saying is for this movement of Jesus to spread around the world, he would actually have to die and be raised by God from the dead for this movement to spread. So he's talking about himself, but he's also talking about you, and he's also talking about me. And he's given us a very spiritual principle, I would say a Christian principle. And what Jesus is saying about us is basically this. That for your, your old life, we're talking about this with the seed, your old life has to end for your new life to begin. That's the only way it works. Your old life has to end for your new life to begin in him. You can't keep holding on to both. You have to be willing to let go of your old life to grab the new life that Jesus actually has for you. Now, this is a fundamentally Christian principle, but listen to me. You already know this to be true in your ordinary everyday life, right? For those of you who are married, if you are married and still trying to live like you're single, it doesn't work, does it? For those of you who are grown adults still trying to live like you're in college, how's that working out for you? You know that you can't hold on to your old life and grab onto a new life. You already know that. The same is true at a much deeper level with Jesus. And in fact, it all comes back to the plant and the seed. You cannot hold on and become a flower while still holding on to being a seed. The old life has to end for the new life to actually begin. And again, Jesus used some pretty extreme language here. He says, you got to actually like hate your life, that old life. Now, why would Jesus use a word like you got to hate your life? Maybe it has something to do with the fact of how much we love our lives and we love holding on to things our way. I mean, think about it. I'll just, I'll go first. I'll be honest here. I can be very selfish and I like having things my way. In fact, I don't, I not only want it my way, I want it my way right away, right? I can't hold on to that and live into the life that Jesus created me for. I can't keep holding on to my, it being my way, to my greed, to my stubbornness, to my preference, to my privilege, to my reserving the right to judge anyone I want whenever I want. I can't hold on to both. You can't either. You cannot have the new life that Jesus created for you and made a way for you to have while still trying to hold on to that old life. Ultimately, it is all about an act of surrender and trust. The seed has to trust that it is more. It has to surrender to the soil. It has to literally die to actually live this new life. And the reason this has everything, in my opinion, has everything to do with Easter is because this is not only what Jesus taught us through the passage we just read, but it's what he modeled for us. He actually did it first. 
The, the, the imagery is all right there in the Bible, in fact. First-hand witness accounts tell us through the Bible that Jesus was crucified on a cross. He died, and the text tells us that he was buried in a tomb, in the ground, literally buried. And then on the third day, what we're here to celebrate today is by the power of God raised into new life, that God brought him back to life. Jesus not only taught us the principle, he went first. And he said, listen, I'm going to make a way for you, and I want you to make it your way. I want this to be the way of your life. I'm going to do for you what you cannot do for yourself, and then I'm going to invite you to do the same, to let go of that old life, to experience the new life that he has for you. He did it first. You cannot have a resurrection Sunday without a crucifixion on Friday. That life came from his death. You cannot have a new beginning without old things ending. You can't have new life while you're still desperately clinging to and holding on to your old life, your way. And I love the imagery that is in the gospel accounts of where Jesus was buried. You know, the texts say that he was actually buried in a garden tomb. They make a point to make sure to include that language, a garden tomb. That's interesting, a place of life and death. And the text tells us that when Jesus was taken from the cross, it actually wasn't from his, by his disciples. Almost every one of them abandoned him at his greatest hour of need. It was two men who'd followed him kind of from a distance, and they took his body, and they quickly buried him. They prepared him to be dead, but they didn't do a great job. And so they put him in the tomb, and they rolled a stone over it, and then went on to honor their Passover celebration. The text tells us that it was early, the first light of day on Easter Sunday morning, that it wasn't the disciples that we know about. It wasn't the men who came to the tomb. It was actually the women who came to the tomb. And they went back to the tomb to do the job the right way, to actually properly prepare Jesus's body for burial. And you've heard me say this before, if you've ever heard me give an Easter message, if you want a job done right, you send in a woman, right? So it's in the Bible. It's in the Bible. I mean... I don't, it's in the Bible. And so the women go and they go to prepare, properly prepare his body to stay what? To stay dead. And what they're greeted with is the stone rolled away, an empty tomb. There is no body, but they're not alone. The text tells us actually in Luke 24 that there were, you don't need to turn there. Luke 24, there were two angels sitting right by the empty tomb, just right there in a little park bench right next to him. I made the park bench part up, but you get the idea. <laughs> There's two angels. They're shocked and confused. And then they turn and look, and there's two angels sitting there. And so they bow down, and, you know, they don't, did not know to expect this on Easter Sunday morning, and this is what happened. It says this in Luke 24, 5. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men, these angels, actually said to them, oh, I love this language. Listen to this. Why do you look for the what? Why do you look for the living among the dead? Don't you know? This is what he came to do. This is what he came to do. Why are you looking? What you're actually looking for is what he promised he would do. Be raised by God from the dead. He would go first for you. Why are you looking for the living among the dead? He's not here. He's actually already done it. And his death and his resurrection radically reoriented the way that everything works in this world. It, it just turned everything on its head. Because think about it. Through his death and resurrection, think about it. The way that things work in this world is that you can really only be made new one time, right? 
Remember we were talking about that a second ago, the difference between feeling new and being made new? There's only one time in your whole entire life where you actually are new. Do you want to guess? Anyone want to guess when the time is that you're actually new? Birth. Yeah, birth. It's not a trick question. Thanks, Joel. Birth. <laughs> birth. Listen, that's it. According to the way of this world, that's the only time you ever are actually brand new, and you don't even remember it. I mean, you were cute and your parents took pictures, but you had very little to do with it. And in fact, every day since that day that you were born and made new, every day from that day has been a slow, cold march to the grave. Listen to me. What I'm trying to say to you is that you peaked when you were born. It's all been downhill from there. Aren't you glad you came for a positive, uplifting Easter message today? That's the way of this world. But praise God by the power of Jesus, that's not the way of Jesus. You can be made new today, here on earth. You can actually be made new from the inside out. Jesus' death, his crucifixion, and his resurrection are your invitation to transformation. His crucifixion and his resurrection are your invitation, your invitation, your invitation, my invitation to transformation, to become what we are meant to be in him, to experience new life in him. In fact, Jesus is the only thing. He's the only thing in this world. We've all tried just about everything. But Jesus is the only thing that can make all things new. That's it. He's the only thing that can make all things new. He can make cold, hard hearts soft. He can take broken pasts and make them new and beautiful again. He can take every wound and heal it. He can take every dream that had died, every hope that was dashed, and renew it with a greater sense of purpose and peace. He's the only thing that can actually make all things new. He can even take all your best efforts to be good enough and say, good job, great try. Actually, here's grace. It's my gift to you because you just can't do enough to be good enough. Let me make you new from the inside out. He's the only thing that can actually make all things new. This is the message of Easter. This is actually what it's all about. That's what Jesus' death and resurrection are all about. That's what the cross and empty tomb promise you and promise me, that death has been defeated and you can be made new again. But, really important point here, but what you have to remember, what you have to see is that you're more than a seed. You gotta see that you are actually more than a seed. You were meant to live, have new life, in him. It reminds me of an old parable by Cynthia Bourgeau. She tells the parable of, of the acorns. Maybe you've heard it before. The story goes that once upon a time in a not so far away land, there was a kingdom of acorns that sat at the foot of a grand old oak tree. I want you to try and imagine what a kingdom of acorns would look like at the bottom of a huge old oak tree. Now, the citizens of this acorn kingdom were very modern and had their lives very well put together. They were all about going about their days with purpose and energy and passion. They had read all the latest and best self-help books with titles like How to Get the Most Out of Your Shell, How to Be a Nut Without Going Nuts, 
there were health and wellness classes available to everyone. They even had recovery groups for acorns who'd been bruised when they fell from the tree. There were all kinds of hip day spas for oiling and polishing their shells and various acorneopathic therapies for their wholeness and well-being. But then one day, in the midst of this kingdom, there suddenly appeared a naughty little stranger, an acorn that had seemingly just dropped out of the blue by some bird passing by. He was capless and dirty and disheveled, and he began to make an immediate negative impression on their pristine kingdom. And crouched there beneath the grand old oak tree, he began telling a wild tale Pointing up at the oak tree with those who had gathered around, he began to say, we are that. We are that. And the crowds began to dismiss him and think that this nut really was nuts. And as they began to disperse, one acorn out of kindness engaged him in conversation and said to him, Hold on a second, stranger. How do we little acorns, how would we little acorns become a mighty oak tree? And this new stranger paused for a second and began to scratch his shell a little bit and said, it has something to do with going into the ground and cracking open our shell and seeing that we are far more than mere little acorns. We are that. We are that. You are actually that. You are made for so much more than just your struggles, than just strife, than just staying stuck in life. We are that. It has everything to do with you letting go of your old life and saying yes to the new life that Jesus made available to you. We are that. You are that. Listen to me. I think the whole reason some of y'all may have come this morning is to hear this. You are more than all of your heartaches and all of your heartbreaks. You are more. You are actually more than all of your addictions. You are more than all of your afflictions. You are more than what you've done. And you're more than what's been done to you. You are more than all that you own. You're more than all that you owe. You are more than your highest highs and you are more than your lowest lows. We are that. Do you believe that we are that? Listen, turn to the person next to you. I want you to grab by the shoulder and say, we are that. Preach to them right now. Say, we are that. That is the message of Easter. We are that. We are meant to live, to have new life in Jesus to have the life he actually promised us, to find, to be reminded this Easter that the God who made you can make you new. The God who lovingly made you can lovingly make you new. It's true for you today here on earth. You can be made new from the inside out. He can and he will. But it takes you seeing that you are more than a seed, that he made you for more, for real life, true life, new life in him. And one of the greatest privileges I get as one of the pastors of this church 
is to see that happening, new life happening right before my eyes in this church. I think of stories from around our church of people realizing that they are so much more. God made them for so much more. I think of Jennifer Lathamore, who's part of our church, and in her own words, her story is that she kind of spent her life skating through religion. Anyone ever done that before? Just kind of skating through religion, kind of doing what you have to do to keep the parents happy, to kind of keep going with what you were raised with. And it wasn't until she found this new life in Jesus, a relationship with him, that she got what it was all about. It's about grace. It's not about what she could do for God. It's about what he's done for her. And now, in this new life with Jesus, she cannot stop talking about the love of God with others. She loves sharing the grace that she's received with others. I think of Jeff McCluskey and his wife, Jill, and how they had a story where they kind of grew up around faith, but then their story, for both of them actually, was by the time they got to college, uh, it just all kind of fell apart, and they don't even necessarily know why it all fell apart in college. I think I have an idea of why it fell apart in college. It's called college. Um, and so they fell in with kind of people that just were pulling them away from God. They weren't growing in their relationship with God. In fact, they were going the opposite direction. And it wasn't until they found that they can actually have a real relationship, new life with Jesus, that they got what it's actually all about. We are that. We are so much more. And now they are such a vital part of this church. They love serving here. They love partnering with our partner in Lasse in El Salvador. And in fact, in their own words this week, they told us that uh, while they are older than the average age of Soul City, they've never felt more alive in their life. That's what it looks like. That's new life. I think of my buddy Denzel, who kind of had a charmed life and worked hard, success after success after success, but about a year ago suffered an injury that turned everything in his life upside down, and he began asking some of the bigger questions. He began to ask about what it's really all about. I think questions that all of us have and maybe questions that brought you here today. And it was through those questions that he found what it's all about, what he'd been searching for his whole life. It's Jesus, new life in Jesus. And he is growing like never before in his life. He is taking his new life so seriously. He's not the same man he was two years ago. That's what real life, new life looks like. And everyday ordinary folks like you and me, if we're willing to see that you're more than just a seed. And so I wonder for you, if there are areas in your life where you just feel, look, let's just be honest. You got dressed up, you came out here. Let's just kind of press in a little bit further, okay? If you were to be honest, you feel kind of dead. It feels lifeless for you. I wonder what those areas might be for you. And what I want to do is just give us a moment, just take a moment this Easter Sunday to just reflect on that and to consider what those are. In fact, here's how I want to help you do that. Uh, on your seat when you came in, there should have been a bookmark that looks just like this. Can you grab that right now? There's a pen in the Bible. We're going to take 30 seconds or so to just do a little Easter reflection. Grab the pen and grab this little bookmark. And I wonder if you might just want to start writing down maybe some of the areas in your life where you, you need a resurrection. You feel lost. Look, I don't think anyone here watching online would admit that they have it all figured out or have it all together, not one of us. So what are the places in your life where you go, man, I need, I need a resurrection. I need new life. Maybe for you, it's like I talked about a second ago, you've lost your purpose. You've lost your hope. You don't know where you're going. You don't know why you're doing what you're doing. You're spinning. And if you would be really honest this Easter Sunday, you'd say, that's me. Or maybe it has to do with 
fear or anxiety that's taken the wheel of your life. And as you think about the future, as you even think about today, you think about the world around us, all you feel is fear. Do you know that you are more than that? You were meant for more than just that. Jesus actually came to free you from fear, but maybe that's what you need to to write down. Maybe for you it's a broken relationship with someone in your life that you care about or once cared about, but you know that that it's it's a dead relationship and it needs a resurrection this Easter Sunday. Why don't you start writing whatever that might be for you. And maybe, look, maybe you'd be honest enough courageous enough to just write the words, the word myself, me. I need new life. It's not working like this. I know that there's more that Jesus made away from me. And so you just need to write down, it's me, myself. And take a second, the next couple moments just to write that down. And then I want to lead us through a prayer and a response to God. Now, here's what I want you to do. You can keep writing after the gathering if you need to, but here's what I want you to do. I want you to hold that bookmark. I want you to keep that in your hand, and I'm going to ask you to stand up right now because I want to pray for you. If you're here in our overflow space, if you're watching online, stand up where you're watching online right now. Stand up because I want to pray for you right now. Even by standing, we're saying, I want that new life. Just I want to rise into this new life that Jesus promised me, made available to me. I believe that I'm more than what's written on this bookmark. That we are that. I am that. And I want to give an opportunity in just a moment for anyone who wants to say, yeah, I want the whole thing. I want all. I want Jesus. I want to begin a relationship with him. I want to begin the new life he promised me. I want to lead you through a prayer in just a moment. But for all of us, can we just take a posture of prayer? At our church, we pray with our hands open like this. We think it's just a better posture of prayer uh, for us. The body's telling the, the heart what to do. And so we open ourselves up. And with our eyes closed, let me just pray for us right now. Jesus you know that we could keep writing and keep writing and keep writing. For all of us, there are places in our life that feel dead and feel like they've lost hope and lost purpose and they need a resurrection. And so Jesus, I pray for every person, every word written, every life represented here today, that you would actually do what you promised you would do, that you would bring new life and that we would actually do what only we can do, that we would let go of that old life and fully trust and surrender to you for every area of our life. It can all be made new in you. And so help us to believe that today and to receive that from you. And I just wanna pray right now with our eyes still closed, anyone, anyone here in Overflow, wherever you are, that would actually say, I wanna begin a relationship with Jesus or I wanna come back home to Jesus. I've been drifting, I've been wandering, I've walked far away, but I believe today that he's invited me back into relationship with him. Then I want you to repeat this prayer that I'm about to pray. You're gonna make it your own with your own voice and you pray it to God. If you wanna begin or begin again with Jesus, then all you need to do is say these words. Say, Jesus, thank you for making a way. I'm making you my way today. Thank you for your death and resurrection and the promise of new life. I confess that I've made a mess of my life. Forgive me of my sin and make me new like you promised you would do. Not only for eternity, but here on earth. It's in your name that I claim my new life. Amen.
Amen. Amen. Can we